Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given and we are joined by a very special guest this week. We are not currently joined by Daniel Norcross who, I mean God knows, it's a question as old as time itself. Where is Daniel Norcross? And more to the point, does anybody care where Daniel Norcross is? We certainly don't so we're going to start without him. I'm joined as ever by Mr Stephen Finn. And I'm joined by one of the other brilliant captains in the county game at the moment in the form of Mr. Tim Murter. Tim, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. It's nice to see you two reunited. How long did you two play alongside one another before Finney, uh, Finney got headhunted slash released? <laughs> um, must have been like 14 years or something like that. I joined Middlesex in 2007. Finney was there the year before, weren't you? So, um, yeah, a good 14, 15 years. Mm, a long time. And your first impressions of young whippersnapper Stephen Finn in 2007? What was he then about? Were you 19, Finney? I'd have been 17 going on 18 then, yeah. 17, just an absolute beanpole, nothing to <laughs> it. Shocking haircut. Couldn't drink. Uh, yeah. Could actually bowl back in those days as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was my that was my initial impressions of it. That that's that's kind of you basically, Finney. As your hair's got better, your bowling's got worse. I think that's the key. <laughs> I think yeah, well, I probably need to go for the dodgy old school bowl cut um, with the with the bit that hangs in between your ears and your neck. Like, that was you yeah, at the start, yeah. Well, that's that's what I did, and then I'd have to correct my hair every ball when I was bowling. Um, and I used to bowl quick and take wickets all the time. Yeah, and Christ knows what's going on now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll come to both your bowling statistics a bit later on. Um, and then, Finney, your first impressions of Tim Murta when he bowled into that Middlesex changing room? Well, first of all, I was like, this bloke's come here to take my job. Great. And then he he was a batting, a, no, a bowling all-rounder, a genuine all-rounder when he first came. So would have averaged 
what, just over 30 with the ball and mid-30s with the bat or just over 30 with the bat. Um, and then it's just it's just well known now that as Tim's bowling got better, his batting got progressively worse. Um, and now it's at a point where he could possibly be the worst batter in the domestic game. Um, <laughs> but I didn't get to bowl at him last week, which is an absolute hammer blow as well, actually, because we were both desperate to have bragging rights to hit each other for six. Yeah, yeah, because you'd gone none for ninety, and you didn't want you didn't want to go none for a hundred, so he was hiding out the boundary somewhere, just hoping the captain didn't see him. <laughs> I mean that this is part of the reason that we've got you on Tim because you've captained Middlesex uh, against Sussex recently Finney had a bit of an ordeal captaining Sussex recently so let's get straight into this game so Finney's return to Middlesex a, a Middlesex legend and he returns to his old stomping ground he returns to Middlesex with a Sussex team and you go out Tim Murta as captain for the toss on what is now been proven by statistics to be the hottest day in recorded UK history. It wasn't just hot, it was it was a heat we'd never seen before in this country. And you won the toss and you decided as a bowler, yeah, I think we'll have a bowl, lads. What talk me through the thought process, Tim? It's an obvious thing to do, isn't it? Like, you don't want your batters just out there in the heat. You want to all get out there and, and uh, <laughs> sample it for yourself. Um, yeah, that was possibly one of the worst decisions in my life um, after getting married. I mean, I, no, I didn't. <laughs> it was a wicket that started a bit green the day before, and then the coin went up, and I was desperate not to win it because I didn't really want to bowl first. But kind of felt it was our best way of winning the game. And then sort of Pajara's face just looked absolutely devastated when he saw that I'd won the toss. He was like, oh. And then I've kind of looked at him, shook him by the hand, gone, we'll have a bowl. And his face just like, immediately <laughs> just like, brightened, brightened. He couldn't believe his luck. Um, sure enough, he went on to get 200. Yeah, so it's, yeah, the boys have been calling me Nasser Hussein for the last week in the dressing room, <laughs> um, which I didn't take too kindly to begin with. But, you know, we all make mistakes. I mean, initially, to be fair to you, looked like a genius decision. You've taken an early wicket. They're 18 for one. Um, and, you know, you bowled nicely, two for 80 off your 32. 99 for two, not the end of the world. 318 for free. I think that's really where the wheels start to come off and then 523 all out. Now, although it would be easy to sit here and just mock you, Tim, um, this we should return to Finney at this point, who mid-game was made Sussex captain due to an injury to their captain, um, who's hopefully going to be back soon after breaking his hand during the game. And Finney, you captained and you watched Leicestershire, <laughs> Leicestershire ball on... 756 for four. So, Tim, suddenly, next to Finney, you're looking like Mike Brearley here. <laughs> At least, yeah. to be fair to you, Finney, you weren't involved with the toss decision. This was thrust upon you. It, it was thrust upon me, and I actually took wickets that week as well. So, yeah, that was um, that was a strange out-of-body experience that I hadn't experienced for a while. Um, yeah, the, the chase in your tail, it's a horrible feeling, especially when you just resign to the fact that you're waiting for a declaration and everything's in their hands. That was um, that was not a pleasant couple of hours, but 
you know, marshaled the troops, got us through and, um, and and made us strong to come and draw with Middlesex the following week. It was the mental resolve that we showed <laughs> in that 750 that meant that we uh, that we saved the game against Middlesex. Well, you mentioned that you took a couple of wickets there, Finney. So it was three actually. Three wickets, which let's give it the way your season <laughs> the way your season's going this season, Finney. It might as well be twenty three. That was forty uh, percent of the wickets I've taken this season. Yeah. <laughs> So, Tim, I mean, Finney has been coming on this podcast every single week and he's been moaning and whinging about basically the groundsman's revenge, he's calling it, because after the England team went down to Australia and got absolutely battered, everybody blamed these wet green pitches over the last few seasons that you have enjoyed bowling on very, very much over the years and probably very appreciated. Um, But 19 wickets at 34, Tim, which in this summer, that's not too bad. Uh, all I can say is I'm glad the wickets are only like that this year. It's, it's pushing me closer to retirement than I've than I've ever been before. But you're right, you know, something about this season, the pitches have been pretty dry, pretty batsman friendly. I guess this is this is baseball and what they what they want to play in the future. And if that's the case, I want nothing to do with it. And I'll get out <laughs> as soon as I can. So yeah, no, I think especially fair play to Finney, like down at Sussex, they probably been the best wickets in the whole country. I don't think anyone can argue with that. So when I kind of said to him in the winter, I think it'd be a good place for him to go and play. Um, I didn't realise, I didn't realise the wickets were going to be as flat as they have been this year. So he's probably regretting that decision. The groundsman must have listened to me on TMS slagging off county wickets all winter. (laughs) And he thought, fuck this bloke. I'm going to make this bloke, I'm going to finish this bloke's career. And to be fair, he almost has done because I literally I've not been able to walk since the Middlesex game. I've not been able to walk because there's something wrong with my knee. And I went into one of those, the MRI scanner yesterday and I'm still waiting for the results. And hopefully it's not one of those broken ones that comes back and says nothing's wrong. Um, <laughs> that Mertz knows that I've been in quite a few times in my career. Um, but this does feel like a genuine injury, which is very annoying. Um, and I blame the groundsman. Well, you've been really, you were really missold the deal at Sussex, Finney, because you were meant to go down there on a nice seeming wicket, sharing a ball with Ollie Robinson and Joffrey Archer. You've not seen them. And, and instead, you've been thrust into captain against Leicestershire and watched them pile on 750. Listen, you've been absolutely missold this. I'm in the record books. That's all that matters. I think they, the highest partnership ever for Leicestershire against Sussex is now 477. So I'm in the record books. I played a part in writing history here at Hove and that's all, what I'm all about, you know. <laughs> now, Tim, before you were coming on this podcast, I messaged Finney and I said, you know, is there anything in particular that I should ask you about? And uh, Finney, first of all, wants to talk about your batting and more specifically your batting with Stephen Finn. So there's a bit of a gentleman's uh, a gentleman's wager going on this season about who's going to score more runs, and it's tight between you two at the minute. But when you used to share a dressing room, according to Finney, you two had an amazing ability to run one another out. Now, what was what was going on there? What was happening? <laughs> It was it was usually one of us not wanting to get down the end of the fast bowler and get down the other end of the spinner, to be honest. So we'd end up butchering each other and like ending up sort of in the middle of the pitch, just having a conversation, just going, oh, you know, which one's it going to be this time who, who gets out? Um, so, yeah, I think that was, that was probably more the kind of fear factor of facing Fidel Edwards or whoever it was, Tino Best, who was bowling that time down at Hampshire. 
there was so there's uh, Hampshire. Uh, we must have been on two hundred and ninety six or something, going and try looking for a batting point. And at the time, we'd had team meetings about how the lower order needed to take more responsibility. And when we got close to a batting point, not just play big shots, but try and tap your way there and, and you know, do it in singles and do it responsibly. So me and Mertz are batting together, numbers 10 and 11 at Hampshire. And I think Fidel Edwards is bowling the speed of light. And Mertz, Mertz hits one out to deep cover and he runs past me and he goes, you go, dog. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so we moved to 297. And then I think I got an inside edge on a bouncer or something like up into my ribs. And I ran past him. I went, no, you go, dog. <laughs> <laughs> it was a classic case of leaving it to each other, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we ended up getting the point. But Christ, that was hard to go against your natural instincts of backing away and trying to slog one instead of staying in line. <laughs> I always think that, right? Because whenever I watch as a fan on TV and I watch the batsmen, you know, we talked about that ridiculous Leicestershire partnership. In between every over, they punch gloves and they have a chat. And I'm like, when you've been batting for 60, 70 overs, not that you two know what that feels like, there's only so many cliches you can say in between overs. There must just be. We always watch as fans thinking, wow, they're probably having a really in-depth, sensible cricket chat here. But I bet you must chat. It's good mates like yourself. You must chat some bollocks to one another in between overs. We, we'd always tell each other to play certain shots. So we'd go, we'd go, Mertzegaard, I bet you can't go inside out over extra for six. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'd try and do it. And to be fair, once I reckon I did it off Mason Crane. At you Hampshire. did it to Mason Crane, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd say, oh, I bet you can't sweep this one for six. And he'd try and sweep it for six. <laughs> it would, honestly, the, the batters would come up, like we'd go into the dressing room and be laughing about it because we had some good partnerships together and the lower order would always just have fun when we batted together. But the, the batsmen just couldn't get their heads around the fact that we'd be out there like egging each other on to play certain shots or like play a big player miss at one. And actually, there was an over, I think, Mertz was batting at the other end and there's a guy called Hugh Waters batting. <laughs> oh, I remember and, this. And, and he bowled big outswingers and he was bowling at the nursery end at Lords, and I was batting at the pavilion end. And I played and missed at the first ball. I came down, I was like, oh, Mertz, yeah, that swung a bit. He was like, yeah, yeah, that swung a bit, yeah. Tap my gloves. Next ball, play and miss. Mertz came down and was like, shot, boy. Played, mate. <laughs> Another play and miss. I played and missed at five in a row. And then every time Mertz would come down, he'd be like, shot, boy. You're getting closer. You're getting closer. <laughs> and, then, and then the sixth one, I nicked it straight to second slip. I just looked at Mertz and he was like, I told you, you're getting closer. <laughs> I was absolutely wetting myself down the other end. I was walking down going, I don't know what to say here. Like, maybe just like, give him my bat as well, stick them both together and he might hit one. <laughs> I mean, it's very easy to mock both of your batting, but we are talking to two chaps with test 50s here. Let, let, let's not in the world. Admittedly, Tim did it in one of his free test matches and Finney had a few more goes at it. Uh, Tim, in that brief test career that you had, where does that test 50 rank in your favourite moment of your career? Oh, much higher than my Pfeiffer at Lords against England. It's just, <laughs> it's just I quite quite often sat in the dressing room and there's probably two or three other guys at Middlesex who have got test 50s and I'd sort of 
sit down in a meeting, we'd be discussing where the batting had gone wrong today, and I'd be there, I'd be like, yeah, you know, well, there's only three of us that have got test 50s in this room, so, you know, <laughs> we can probably talk you through what's gone wrong here, and just, like, the lads, <laughs> lads are sick and, sick and tired of hearing about it. I mean, admittedly, mine was against Afghanistan, which is probably not the strongest of uh, test teams you could play, but... Um, I always say it was in India as well and against Rashid Khan. So I say, well, you know, it's, you know, against the, the best leg spinner in the world currently uh, in India. So, yeah, that's that's far more, you know, higher up in my agenda than than the five for against England. It, it's true because ever since we started this podcast, Finney, you've talked about your 50 way more than you've ever talked about any of your wickets or any of your old bowling performances. Bowlers love scoring runs because they love sticking two fingers up to the batsman who obviously think they're God's gift. I remember I once played a charity game with Paul Nixon and, it, you know, he had that amazing World Cup campaign with the England team and that late sort of swan song career and stuff. All he gave a shit about was that he took a first-class wicket. It's his favourite thing in his career. Was I think when cricketers do things they're not expected to do is definitely their favourite part. Finney, didn't you immediately get sponsored by some uh, solicitors when you scored that 50 and then get a pair in the next test match? <laughs> Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I um, no, I, I actually scored twenty in the next test match, and then the third test match, I got um, I got a pair. I also got a, a bat deal with Woodworm that year as well, and they actually paid me money to use their kit for twelve months. It was a twenty-four month contract, and at the end of the twelve months, they were like, "No, we're not. We're not going to activate the second year, mate. You're all good." <laughs> yeah. How many how many bat suppliers have you used? You've been an absolute bat whore throughout the years. Well, we're not we're not all loyal like you. What have you had? You've had Hunts County and then Hunts, CP. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. very yeah, loyal. I've, um, I've ticked a few off the list. Yeah. Well, Finney's joined the best of the lot now with his Woodstock bat, the greatest uh, greatest bat in on the planet, of course. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, they were like barn doors the other day at Lords. Oh God, that was <laughs> that was frustrating watching you just block the shit out of it. There was no way I was letting myself get out in that situation. And you know, I got a bruise on my ribs earlier in the year, Toby. Oh yeah, I got another Ooh. one. That's the exact it's not as bad. Spot. No, it's exact not as same... bad. Yeah, who, no. Who was that? Bad. Helmy. Oh, good. Got me, uh, good. good. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad there was a bit of pain to go, to go with it. And, and Tim, obviously, you know, this is now a finny-less middle-sex dressing room. What, what, how, I'd imagine, and I, you know, you obviously know Stephen Finn much better than I do. I've got to know him a little bit over the last year or so, but I'd imagine it's a much happier, less grumpy place with Finney not in that middle-sex dressing room. <laughs> no, to be fair, you know, we miss him a lot. You know, I think most of the guys are still in touch with him and he's, he he's still socialises with a lot of them. Um, and what was really great, when he came out to Batter Lords, I thought he got a really good reception, like it was a, a proper nice reception from the Middlesex faithful, which, you know, he, he deserved. And that was that was really nice to see, actually. And that'll be the, that'll be the only serious thing that I'll say for the rest <laughs> of the evening, don't worry. Um, but we do miss him. He was a big character. He's been there, as I said, since 2006. So he was kind of part of the furniture and, you know, it's a sad day sort of when he moved on, but that kind of happens in professional sport. You kind of, your mates move on to other teams and you kind of have to get on with it and, and get on with, with life, so to speak. But do you guys, you know, Finney, like when you get off the pitch with Sussex, do you immediately, do you check the Middlesex scorecard? Do you always keep an eye out for their scorecard? Or do you look around the county games and look and see how your mates are getting on? 
Yeah, I think when you've, I think it's a bit different. Like, it's a unique situation. I played for Middlesex for 17 years and have moved away in the twilight of my career. So, like, there are very big bonds there that I've got with people and people that I care about and that are my closest friends. So I'm, I'm lucky enough to be godfather to Tim's eldest son, Jack. So there, there are like links and connections all over the place. So even today, whilst I've been lying on my sofa here, resting my knee, I've been flicking between the Sussex match and the Middlesex match in Durham on the YouTube channel, on my TV. So you, you've always have a vested interest in people that you've played with, but even more so when they're your closest mates. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll always keep an eye on the Middlesex scores. Um but also, if I'm in a position to try and help Sussex win or draw a game against Middlesex, I'll be um, I'll be trying my hardest for them. Now, there's one story, Tim. You've actually popped up on the podcast. I think Finney's mentioned you a few times, but there's one story that sticks out in particular. Now, Finney, you'll have to jog Mertz's memory. I'm sure he doesn't need it jogging. So I think it was a pre-season game and you were playing Loughborough University and two students wandered out onto Oxford. the outfield. Oxford oh, University. The two students wandered out onto the outfield and started getting a bit amorous in the middle of the game. Is that right, Tim? I want to hear it from your point of view. That was right. That was bizarre. I think there were a couple of things that happened in that week. Like those two just walked on. They had no idea. They were off their heads on God knows what. Um, just lay down with their like little picnic blanket and yeah, just started canoodling. Uh, as, <laughs> as, as the youngsters would say these days on the pitch, which was bizarre. And then there was another bloke. Do you remember? I don't know if it was the same game. Uh, another bloke just wandered across the field, and I was bowling. And I was like, "Who's this cowboy?" So I just like, I was like, "Mate, do you want to have a do you want to have a bowl?" This was a first class game. In a first so class game. <laughs> I've, I've lobbed him the ball. I said, "Go on, mate, have a bowl." So. The, <laughs> The batsman's taken strike at the other end and he's like, he's no idea what he's doing. He's run up a few paces and actually bowled a ball <laughs> on the pitch. And the umpires were just, you know, they were having kittens. They didn't know what to do. Um, but yeah, some some student who was still on a high, I think, from the night before, uh, actually bowled a ball in the first class game there. The fella got out that over, didn't he? The, the, you yeah. hit the bloke off that over and that was the fella that had got stuck into me when I was batting, this, like, this student literally walked down at me in the first innings. I ended up getting 40-odd, but we were in big trouble. He bowled like Glenn McGrath, this bloke. And he came down when I walked into bat and he went, this fucking bloke doesn't want to be here. Look at him. He doesn't fucking want to be here. I was like, this is a friendly student game. Man. I'm getting <laughs> sledged by a fucking 19-year-old geeky student. Um, and, and yeah, and then got in trouble with, with the umpires when Mertz nicked him off that over. I gave him a big send-off, said, fuck off, back to your uni books. <laughs> <laughs> and I got in trouble with the umpires. <laughs> it happened every year. It was like, don't get wound up by the uni blokes. Don't get wound up. And then, like, something happens. And Finney or Toby just, yeah, end up spraying some poor little 18-year-old student who's... Yeah, got glasses on or whatever. <laughs> I always think those UCCE games, whenever I'm looking at the scorecards pre-season, like, that must be the biggest game of their lives, right? So for you guys, it's a bit of a ball ache and a bit of a... No, it's a stat buffer. That's what it is. It's a stat <laughs> buffer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then whenever I check the scorecards, nobody ever does any well in them because no, none of the pros can be asked. Whenever I look... Oh, like, I don't know. There's some batters who love getting their seasons off to good starts with like a, a 100 or 150 against the students. Christ, we've had a few of those in our team. And over the years, like 
it gets to like, it, usually a batter would get to 80 or we had a rule as bowlers. We were like, if you get to three fur, then you don't try and take any more wickets. You just bowl. Like you don't go hunting for wickets. You just bowl to get your overs in. But, and it should be the same for batters. A batter should be allowed to get 70 or 80 and then that's it. Seen enough. Thanks for coming. But some guys would get to 70 or 80 and just smell blood and want to get their season off to an absolute flyer and would, and would try and book themselves in for 150, 160. I think Compo got a double in one of them. I reckon he got like 240 in a uni game. So before this first class season has even started, he's on 240 runs. <laughs> uh, now, I've only met Nick Compton a few times, but that sounds like the most Nick Compton story of all time, that he would yeah. absolutely <laughs> bed in for 240 against a poor student team. Uh, now, whilst we've been chatting about this, um, he's, he's, look at him, he's not happy. Daniel Norcross has arrived. Now, Norcross, before you whinge about train journeys too much, Tim here, our esteemed guest, who you've turned up for 20 minutes, actually 38 minutes late for. 38, yeah, 38. Uh, it's a record for me, yeah. He's also been on the train down from Durham and it's been an absolute nightmare. So you've got no excuses and no sympathy. Hang on a minute, away. wait a minute. Mertz, have you come down from Durham? I've come from Durham, yeah. Right, so you actually got a train that then got diverted. You had a seat on it, didn't you? I I was going to come tomorrow, back tomorrow, and then I saw the strikes. I came today and then just about to go on the train to York to then change to King's Cross, and then they said the line shut towards King's Cross or something. There was power line failure or something. That's right, yeah. And then and I had then- to go to Sheffield, yeah, and then I ended up going to Birmingham, then yeah. changing to Moore Street, and then coming down to like Marlborough in that way. So you were probably one of the bastards that was on the train that I was trying to get on, who had been <laughs> diverted from the northeast. This was my problem. It was all you lot fleeing from the northeast. Man, I couldn't get on the fucking train. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> fucking nightmare. I beat the system today because I, I, because I got to Birmingham New Street Station which nobody else had done. They were just waiting like lemmings on a platform for a train they couldn't get on. They were hurling themselves onto an impossible train. It was, it, it, it was a little bit alarming. There was just like an entire platform full of desperate people trying to get on a train. And I thought, do you know what? You're not thinking outside the box. You're trying to get to London from Derby, but you're not thinking about Birmingham. So I skipped over onto platform two, took the train that was going to Plymouth, got to Birmingham New Street feeling fantastic. I had my like, you know, silent movie, moustache, villain, twir- twiddle, twiddle, twiddle. I've fucking nailed you, twat. You've, you've not worked this out. <laughs> Get to Birmingham New Street. The only train that was on time that day was the ten, the 12.10 to London. And I arrived in at Birmingham New Street at 12.11. So I thought, oh, I can suck that up. I sat outside with the taxi cab. So I was listening to Surrey, struggling slightly against Warwickshire, if truth be told. And uh, having a couple of fags, reading the reading the Twitter, reading the paper. Then suddenly, all these people start arriving. I think, ooh, I've never seen a taxi rank so full. And it took about five minutes for me to register that something was genuinely up. Largely, it was a like, eh, 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 noise that kept on. But I thought, that's, you know, that's just Birmingham, isn't it? <laughs> Turned out, Birmingham New Street Station had been evacuated for a fire alarm that no one knew where it originated from. Then you're in trouble, aren't you? What, what would you do, Mertz? Well, that's I walked over to Moore Street Station. And you and went then, the slow way. So I got into Birmingham New Street mm. and I thought, they said, oh, there's a train to Euston, but I was like, I'd live out sort of 
sort of northwest anyway, sort of on the Marlebone line. I thought, right, I go to Moore Street and I can get a train, the Marlebone train down to High Wickham and then change there to get to Gerald's Cross. That is a massive lack of ambition. <laughs> I, I I took the cab. I took a cab to Birmingham International while watching all these further lemmings staying on the side of the street. Going, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We've got to think fast. We've got to think on our feet. Because it's so important that I get back to have an extra half an hour to just lie on the sofa while going how much I hate trains at home rather than on a train. That I got a cab to Birmingham International. I got a diverted train, vroom, into Euston. I was only three and a half hours late. Absolutely made it. So how long did your whole trip take you then? About six hours. Yeah, so, so. <laughs> fucking Derby. Right? Yeah, I did, I did six hours from Durham. So, yeah, suck on that. Yeah, <laughs> I am sucking on that. I'm sucking on that big time. Jim, Jim just gets on with it. No complaining. You live tweeted your entire ordeal, Dad. I was trying to... I was trying to follow the football and I kept getting suggested more of your bloody train tweets. If, if you want to relive this entire story, Daniel Norcross literally live tweeted every single step of the way on his Twitter. So Not every single step of the day. Wait, most of my infuriation, Toby. Before you turned up, we were chatting. Uh, we're actually chatting about uh, the season so far. We've talked about Tim and Finney's uh, interesting captaincy techniques over the last few weeks. There is another county cricket story from the week that I want to get Finney and Tim's reaction to, and that is this ridiculous Sam Northeast innings. So if you thought you had a nightmare bowling at Leicestershire and Tim, you thought you had a nightmare bowling at Sussex the other day, um, it could be worse because Sam Northeast scored 410 unbeaten, unbeaten for Glamorgan. Um I mean, it's just obscene. Only hit three sixes as well. And I read an interview of him. You can only say arrogant lines like this after you've just scored 400. He said, weirdly, I was more nervous in the 190s than I was in the 390s. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most arrogant, humble brag I've ever heard in my life. Tim, you must have, you know, bowled at him thousands of times over the years. Yeah. County cricket. But even he's a great player. But that's some knock, isn't it? He's, he's a very good player, but you know, not the kind of player that you'd put in the 400 bracket, to be honest. Um, he's probably scored more runs in that innings than me and Finney have done in the last three years, to be yeah. fair. Um, yeah, he is a good player. And like, you know, fair play to him. That's that's a massive effort. It doesn't matter what the wicket's like, what the bowler's like. It's, you know, incredible effort to, what's that, put him in the top 10 of, scores of all time or something and put it to put it into context is i think he's top nine but he is the second highest scoring englishman of all time uh archie mclaren as i'm you know, i know every first class creator is brought up on this stat finney will know mertz will know archie mclaren's famous 424 against somerset at taunton in 1895 remember it well that's that's the that's the marker that both of you have been trying to reach throughout your career <laughs> With the ball, maybe, not the bat. <laughs> but really, to God, I thought it, it was on. It was so on. It was unbelievable. It was overnight. It was 308 not out. You got 102 in the lunchtime session. It's a complete road, right? And outrageously, they declare on him on 410. To do what? To win a game of cricket. Who gives a shit 
about another game of first class cricket in the second division. Sorry, lads. But do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, if Glamorgan win, if Glamorgan draw, who gives a shit? He could have got 500 that day. Most importantly, he could have got 425. And that game would have been remembered. Instead, he's destined to go down in the annals of cricket as one of the most unmemorable 400s ever hit in first class cricket history. <laughs> uh, you, also, you need to spare a thought for Kieran Carlson and Billy Root. Talk about Padrash. They watched Sandor Fees get 410, and then when the wicket finally fell, they got nine and naught. You'd be absolutely fuming, <laughs> wouldn't you? Um, I was, it got me wondering, Finney and Tim, I'll ask you, Finney, first. What's the biggest individual score that's been scored against you? What's the biggest knock against you you can remember? I think Colin Ackerman's 270 or two weeks ago was the biggest. Um, there have been a good number of doubles. Um, but yeah, 270 odd was the most that I've ever had done against me. To be honest, this year, I'd like to see a stat on it or someone to do a stat, but I'd imagine there have been more double hundreds this year than there have been the last 10 combined or something something silly like that. Norcross can ask one of his geeky mates. Tim, can you remember bowling at anybody with a ridiculous score? Yeah, Justin the Madman Langer um, got a triple hundred against us. First game of the season. It was my first game for Middlesex, actually. Um, we got six. It was at Taunton against Somerset. He was playing for Somerset. Uh, we got 640 for four declared. Thought, you know, we've done quite well there. Somerset got 850 for seven, of which Langer, Langer got 300. Um, and was actually out, caught down the leg side on about seven. Not given by... Van Bernholder, who was half asleep at the bowler's end. Let it go, Mertz. Let it go. <laughs> I can't. I was in the field for two days. I went for 150 myself. But yeah, Langer, Langer got a triple 100 that day. So that's, yeah, that's the biggest score that I've ever been involved in in a match. Well, you know what they say. I mean, that's the problem with first class cricket in England. It's, you know, in April when it nibbles about a bit, it's like 75 mile per hour bowlers like Tim Murter, who just, <laughs> you know, they show. They, they do well there, don't they? But how would they actually do on a shirt front in Perth, you know, in, uh, uh, in 40 degree heat? <laughs> 75 miles an hour is generous to me there as well at the moment. <laughs> has anybody, by the way, has, any, has anybody asked uh, Mertz why, why he left Surrey? Because I'm still outraged by this. <laughs> oh, here we go. You, well, you can ask him as a Surrey, as a Surrey super fan. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it was actually Surrey's fault. Uh, remembering Surrey at the time, but I but I am still enraged by the fact that he's got nearly a thousand wickets, and about eight hundred and fifty of them are for teams that aren't Surrey. I can't understand why we let those fucking wickets go. What <laughs> happened, Mertz? Basically, I had a year left on my contract. I was playing mainly white ball cricket, believe it or not. I've played a white ball game for years, but um, Alan Butcher, who was coach at the time, sort of did me a favour in a way. He sort of said, you know, I'd love you to stay and sort of be a squad player, but I think you're actually better than that. And if you went somewhere else, you'd, you'd play a lot more cricket. And he was kind of looking out for me personally rather than Surrey as a county in a way. Um, and he sort of suggested to John Embry, who was his mate at the time at Lords, that, you know, perhaps Lords might suit me better as a bowler, to be fair, than the Oval, which it which it has definitely done. So yeah, it was sort of Alan Butcher was, you know, looking out for me as a mate rather than his own kind of job in a way. Right. So it's him I've got to blame. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and who who was who was in that Surrey 
bowling attack at that time? You, you still had Bickers there. Bicknell were gone, I think. Ormond was around. Yeah. Uh, and then there were sort of youngsters who were playing, sort of Saker and Dernback were coming through. Youngsters? You really are. You really are old, aren't you? I mean, they, they, they basically <laughs> retired. Yeah, Jay, Jay Dernback is now my bowling coach. That shows how old I am. Um, plus, we always played two spinners at the Oval, so there was always, you know, limited spots available. Ricky Clark was the all-rounder, Asma Mood. You know, they played as the all-rounder, so there was generally only space for two seamers. So I'd play sort of between four and six games a year when someone was injured or went off on England duty. Yeah, it's worked out well since I left in terms of the amount of cricket that I've played. I probably should have gone a couple of years earlier, in fact, to be honest. So in a way, every single one of those wickets are wickets that Surrey allowed you to take, which makes (laughs) me feel much better. Okay. (laughs) We'll we'll have them as well. (laughs) I appreciate appreciate the humility of it's gone quite well since I left. 918 first-class wickets at at 24, Tim. Genuinely, you said earlier that these pitches this season have maybe sped up your retirement a little bit, but have you got any plans, targets? That 1,000 wicket mark must be a little bit tantalising. It is, but, you know, it's. I'm in my last year of my contract. It's up to the club at the moment. Uh, we haven't had a conversation really about next season yet, so I've kind of always said that I'll keep playing as long as I'm enjoying it. I think my enjoyment levels have been slightly dampened this year but in my head I'm in my head I'm putting it down to a kind of anomaly of it being a really dry summer and the balls being shit um and everything's going to be fine again next year but you know who knows it uh, will be it will be it will be because you know what happens in English cricket that whatever happens if wicket if if bowlers take wickets and it's because the batters are rubbish and we need to make it much much tougher for bowlers and if bowlers go for a million runs, then we're making it too easy for the batters. So next year, there'll be a yeah. massive overcorrection. You'll be given some ball that swings like five <laughs> degrees. There was a seam that's three inches high. And oh, every, like a every, tiflex. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and every pitch will just be like covered in water and like have about 15 millimetres of grass on it. Yeah, next, year, so. next year, you'll absolutely clean up. Stick, stick around for one more year. You'll take about 95 wickets next year. <laughs> All right. If I if I don't, then it's all on you. It, yeah, it is. But yeah, I won't feel that bad about it because you left Surrey and took, <laughs> and took all those wickets for someone else. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, Tim, out of those 918 first-class wickets, have you got a favourite? Uh, There's a few to remember. It's much easier for Finney. He's only got a pick from about 25. <laughs> um, I don't know. You have to say, like, that test match at Lords, that, that first day at Lords was, you know... Sort of what what an experience and what a feeling, you know. Finally, not finally, but getting an opportunity to play a Test match of Lords right at the back end of my career, um, and then to turn up and have an Irish groundsman produce an absolute green top, um, which which he got paid handsomely before that before the week. Um, so probably those those wickets on that day meant more than. You know, I guess any other any other wickets throughout my whole career because, you know, the whole occasion being at Lords, being a Test match, being against England, which is bizarre enough in itself. Um, so yeah, probably those five I'd say. I reckon getting getting me out would have topped that though last week. 
Oh yeah, definitely. If it meant we won the game as well, get get a new out LBW with that big in swing of that old first ball. <laughs> I saw it coming all the way. Saw it coming all the way. <laughs> well, of all the of all the many big scalps you have taken, Tim Finney told us you also worked out how to get out the batting maestro that was Mr. Chris Martin of New Zealand. Apparently, <laughs> apparently you've got a bowl in swingers to get him to outside edge it. <laughs> yeah, because there's no point bowling an outswinger. He misses. He's a bit like Finney was in that over against Hugh Waters, just missing <laughs> six in a row. Um, you've got to try and bowl for his inside, bowl for his outside edge by bowling in swingers to try and hit the outside edge. Yeah, outswing was pointless. <laughs> um, and finally, the last question before we let you go, Tim. Um, Finney wanted me to ask you for all those 918 wickets. In the sort of early 2010s, whatever those years are called, um, how many of those wickets do you owe to Finney's bowling at the other end? <laughs> Probably quite a few, to be fair, because he was bowling the speed of light and I could see fear and genuine fear in the batsman's eyes at the other end. Uh, and then seeing me kind of wobbling up and just putting it there on the length. Yeah, I look, I know what I would have been doing if I was a batter. I'd have been trying to whoosh against me as well. So I'll give him credit for some of those wickets, you know, not all of them. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Crick Info, uh, Crick Info has given them to you, Tim, and that's all that matters. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go until one, one last scene because... Well, is this another fucking Surrey question or something? No, no. To, to, Toby and I have, have struggled to motivate Finney to use his bat to hit a six, right? There's been loads of games this season. We've looked where he's come in. And there's been no point in him doing what he actually does, which is prod pointlessly. You know, his team's utterly screwed or they're in a perfectly reasonable position and he bats for the person at the other end, right? He's a seasoned pro now. And we're trying to get him to hit a six with the Woodstock bat that he has got in his hands. A beautiful piece of willow. What what kind of psychological tool? You're a captain. You know, you've made some great decisions in your time. That funky... Toss bowl, forty-one <laughs> degrees. I like that. That was that was that was absolutely top 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 jaw top jaw. So using using that kind of like funky wisdom that you've got, and the fact that you know Finney, how can you mesmerise him into actually playing an aggressive shot for once this bloody season instead of just pointlessly patting it back to the fucking bowler? Uh, I, I thought you did hit six. Did you not hit well, six? One against the second eleven. Don't they're, they're no. I hit Lyndon James for a six. Or, oh, you did. No, yeah, Joey yeah. Everson or someone. I hit a. Yeah, then you got hit the knackers. You got hit the knackers. Next ball, and then he got out in the ribs. <laughs> in the ribs. <laughs> he. Do you know what? He walked out to bat this week. I was saying earlier, he got a nice reception, which was you know good to see. And I've kind of we sat round having a drink, and it's as you say, forty-one degrees by this stage. It's fucking hot. And I was like, right, lads, don't want anyone to say anything to Finney because he's going to want out, want to walk out, feel comfortable, sort of be back with his mates. I was like, no one speak to him, say nothing. Everyone was like, well, I'm fine. And it took me about sort of three or four balls. I saw three or four forward defensives and then I'm just a mid off and then he missed one. And I was just, I, I couldn't help myself. I was like, his eyes have gone. His eyes have gone, boys. <laughs> fucking eyes are gone. And everyone looked at me and was like, I thought we weren't fucking getting stuck into it. <laughs> and, then, and then I bowled him a bumper as well, which was against the kind of treaty that we'd signed uh, before the game that we weren't going to bounce each other. 
So, yeah, it just all went out the window when he got that, yeah, big forward defensive out, which was pissing us off. Something well, yeah, the, the, the fast bowlers union is no longer because you, Toby, Helmy and Yadav, all of the bowlers, bowled me bouncers in that innings and I didn't bowl one to any of them. <laughs> Well, for you. You tried one to Toby and got slapped out to deep square. No, thought, oh, no, I, I just didn't want to get it. My knee was fucking killing and I didn't want to get it boomed back past me, so I bowled it back of a length. Vinny, <laughs> <laughs> you've obviously played, you know, test cricket, faced some of the most fearsome bowlers in the world. Where does a Tim Murta bouncer rank up against all the bouncers <laughs> you've faced in your time? Well, I'll tell you what, someone did get out to a Tim Murta bouncer this week and he's he's not lived it down since. The coach, every time, he's like, you got bounced out by Tim Murta. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I know it's bad, isn't it? And everyone's like, yeah, it's pretty bad, mate. <laughs> you, That's you, you can't be top edging a pull-off, Matt. <laughs> he's, he's, he's joined a very select list there. Yeah. yeah. Out of 918, how many bouncers? Three. Probably about three. Craig Overton twice in a game for this baby. Was he through the shot a bit early? <laughs> well, on, on that note, Tim, we'll, we'll let you go. But, mate, thank you so much for joining us. And we'd love to have you back on another time. But really appreciate it. Get some sleep. Pleasure. Anytime. Nice to see you, man. Cheers. Not bad, Tim. All the best. Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. See you, about. See you, mate. Speak to you soon. Um, Finney, I'll let you return to you were reading a good book, weren't you, before we uh, before we interrupted you? Yes, I um I wanted to just try and get myself off to sleep. It's one of my methods that I'm using at the moment to just try and dampen the mind before I go to sleep is to to read a good crime novel um and, and just zone out that way. So thank you for being so compassionate and letting me go at eleven o'clock to to read a book like that. Yeah, you're welcome. What, what, what book is it? It's called, uh, it's written by someone called Robert Galbraith. Oh, yes. It's a pseudonym, pseudonym J.K. J.K. Rowling. Rowling. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's about They're very a chap good. Called, yeah, a chap called Cormoran Strike, and we're on the fourth one. So, you know, just, just oh, looking to get back to that, really. Is a fourth one out? I didn't realise. Yeah, there's a fourth and a fifth. Yeah. Oh, Catherine will be so excited. Oh, it's so lovely you've joined the middle-aged, Finney. <laughs> yeah. So we'll let you get back to your book, Finney, and Norcross, we'll let you, you get back to whatever it is. Like, I'm really sorry I was late, by the way. But the thing was that we said that we were going to do it after the uh, women had played the semi-final of the um, of the Euros. Yes. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of women's cricket of late, and I was very invested in the women's football. And I completely forgot because I was, I was doing a lot of crying and emoting with Ian Wright and kind of enjoying all the shit that came off afterwards. It was... What? I was invested in the football as well, but it finished at 9.52. Well, did, you not, did, you not did you not press the red button? Did you not press the red button to get more? I watched some reaction. of the reaction and then I remembered I had a podcast to record and a very esteemed well, guest joining us. I, I'm, so, I'm sorry about that, but but I'm afraid the lionesses, they like, like they got in my, I completely forgot about all of you, even even Mertz. And that's odd because, you know, he's a genuine hero of mine. Whereas you two are, you know, I love you both. Don't be wrong, but... Mertz is something different, but it turns out that um, yeah, the the lionesses. I mean, it was it's a thing. I'm, I'm still wiping the tears off my face. I've got genuine salt tears running down my cheeks. What well, a thing that was! It was go well at the time that this will go out, which will be tomorrow, so Wednesday. They'll be looking forward to the final on Sunday. So go on, lionesses, for everyone at zero yes. given. Um, and the yeah. Commonwealth Games. Don't forget the Commonwealth Games because our other lionesses are about to begin their Commonwealth Games campaign on Saturday off the back of a. Um, 
phenomenal crunching massive defeat of South Africa who were it has to be said a little bit woeful but two 17 year olds in the team Freya Kemp Alice Capsey Commonwealth Games they could have a medal around the next could be England against Australia in the final starts on Saturday all done and dusted within a week I urge you to watch well we'll chat more about that next week but have a good one see ya Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.